As a kid, uh, the time leading up to Christmas was absolute torture. Uh, the minute the Christmas tree went up, it felt like uh, time began to move in slow motion. Do you remember this? Uh, some of you remember this, where uh, all of a sudden the Advent calendar was a, uh, a, a marking moment of exactly how slow it was going to take to the moment, to be able to open your presence. And the minute there was presence underneath the tree, uh, I don't know. It just felt like, um, man, this was awful. Anybody else? No? I guess I'm alone. Because you get under there and you go, okay, what is the long skinny one? I just, if only I could see what the long skinny one was. And then there's like the light squishy one. Um, and you're hoping it's not underwear or socks again that year. And then you have the big one that you're kind of looking at and going, what is that big one? What is it going to be? And you're really hoping it's not a parental misdirection you know, us parents, we like to be clever, we like to be cute, but kids hate it. Uh, you know, it's like, there's the big one, your heart gets so excited, and you open it up, and there's another box in between. Oh, that's so funny. No. No, no, it's not funny at all. All I wanted as a kid was a glimpse of what was inside those presents, and not knowing, not knowing's hard as a kid, isn't it? Yeah. I got, I got an amen from a kid already. We're moving along well. It's interesting, not knowing is hard as an adult, too. You know, we no longer wring our hands over what's inside Christmas gifts. We wonder about other things, bigger things, more important things. You know, we have a box that's our future that's wrapped up, and we wonder like, what's our future going to be like? What's our country going to be like? Um, you know, will I have an impact or leave a legacy? I wonder what will happen. We have another box or present that's wrapped up, and it's all of our relationships, isn't it? it, it it's, I, I wonder if I'll ever meet the right guy or the right girl. I wonder if I'll ever get married. I wonder if this marriage is going to work out. I wonder if our kids are going to turn out okay or not. Then we have another box. It's the box uh, of our career. It's the box of, I wonder if I should take this next job. I wonder if this is the right direction. I, you know, for those who are in college, I wonder what, you know, um, uh, degree I get and will I actually use it with whatever job I get? Because no, uh, as someone, I literally, yeah. And, then, and then, then we have the box, box of our health, or maybe this Christmas season, it's the box of someone else's health in your life, of I wonder if they'll be okay, I wonder if I'll be okay, I wonder what that report's going to say. And wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just get a glimpse? If we could just peek inside and know what's in that box? You see, not knowing is hard as an adult, too. And yet one of the boxes, one of the boxes, I picked this one, I like it, it's the big box. One of the boxes we don't have to wonder about. One of the things that all of us wonder about, you don't have to wonder about. It's what I call the God box. 
and whether you're a Christian or not, and even if you're an atheist or theist, we still have this same wonder. And it it goes something like this. If there is a God, I wonder what God is like. Like if there really is a God, I wonder what God is like. And then the second part of that question is, I wonder if God likes me. Like if there is a God, and it's this box, this wondering that we have, and at Christmas... At Christmas, Christians all around the world celebrate this, that the God box has been unwrapped for every single one of us to see. It's a box that we no longer have to wonder about or worry about. You no longer have to wonder or worry whether what God is like and whether or not God likes you. In fact, John, one of Jesus' disciples, said it this way, in his introduction to the account of the life of Jesus. He says, no one has ever seen God. And that's precisely the problem. That's why we have this God box of wonder, is nobody's seen God. If we could just see God, then we wouldn't have to worry about what God is like. We'd be able to see what God is like. And yet he goes on. He says, no one has ever seen God, but... The one and only Son, or the unique Son, speaking of Jesus, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. So this unique Son of God in close, intimate relationship with the Father is indeed God. And he says this, no one has ever seen God, but however, however, this unique Son, now notice this, has made him known. Now, this word here, it is the word, sorry, I almost had it right, and then I just had it wrong in my head. Um, exegeomai. Why don't you just say that with me because it's fun. Exogeomai. Yeah, you, you, now you walked out of here and you know a Greek word, and you can impress all your friends at Christmas time, and you're like, okay, thank you very much. What does that mean? It means known, to make known, or to clarify, to interpret, to reveal to explain. In fact, it's where we get our uh, English word exegete. For those of you who know, uh, like you exegete a text or bring out of what was in that, that Jesus exegetes the Father. Jesus explains. In fact, that's what one uh, translation says, that Jesus explained who the Father was. What does it mean to explain The Father. What does it mean to make known or get a glimpse of God? What he's saying is if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. If if you want to know what God cares about, look at Jesus. Jesus answers those questions. What is God like? And does God like me? When you look at Jesus, he explains what is God like and does God like you. On one occasion, Jesus was invited to a party as a religious leader in the order is called a Pharisee, very, you know, religious and to the T, I mean, rules-based oriented. His name was Simon. 
Uh, in this small town, he invites them over to have a dinner party, and this rabbi that everybody's following, he wants to get to know a little bit more, understand what this rabbi named Jesus is all about, invites them into his house. Now, in the ancient Near East, uh, these types of parties didn't happen very often. They were quite expensive, and they would become the festival or the event of the entire town. And so most often, these happened in the outdoor courtyard, and the entire town would then gather around to watch watch and to listen to the conversations that's going on. It was, it was their version of, you know, the real housewives or something like that, so that they got to sit around the table. They didn't get to eat, but they got to watch what was going on. And so Jesus shows up to this dinner party that Simon invited him to, and he's reclining at the table, and, and this woman in the crowd breaks through and behind him. It startles everybody. Because everybody knows this woman. It's a woman of irrepute, a harlot. You can explain that to your kids later. <laughs> Mommy, what is that? Okay. And she's standing behind Jesus as he's reclining at the table, filled with emotion, filled with gratefulness. She begins to weep, uncontrollably sobs, her tears begin to hit Jesus' feet. And so she bends down, and with her hair, she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her tears. And, and then she begins to take, she had a flask of expensive perfume and, and pour them on his feet and kiss his feet. And this overwhelming sense of gratitude and love and adoration, this woman, think about this, this woman, everybody knew who this woman was in this town. The women looked down on her with shame and contempt. The men, some, looked down with shame as she was their secret. She was the talk of the town, the one that everyone gossiped about, the least likely to be connected to God. And in her own world, realized she was so far from God, God could never like her, want her, period. And then she met Jesus. Now, as all this is happening, Simon's thinking to himself, this man, this man must not be a prophet. See, he was inviting Jesus. He was doing some incredible miracles. And he wanted to know a little bit more about this man and whether he was a prophet or not, whether this is someone that we're looking forward to. He's like, because a prophet would know the person who's touching him and how sinful and how awful and how far away the prophet would never, ever, ever let someone like this touch them. And then Jesus looks at Simon and says, Simon, yes, I have a story for you. Jesus is always so good with his stories. So there was two people that owed a certain money lender some money. One owed $100,000, another owed $10,000. Both of them were unable to repay their debt. And so the money lender said, it's Christmas time. The new Ingram version, NIV, didn't say that in the Bible. I know, bad joke. I'm sorry. Bad joke. Bad joke. But the money owner saw that they weren't unable to pay. And he, and he says he forgives them both of their debt. 100% wiped clean. And then Jesus asked this question of Simon. He said, Simon, which person will love that, the one who forgave them the debt the most? 
It's obvious. He said, the one who owed the most. And then Jesus says this. Then Jesus turned to the woman. Next slide. There we go. And said to Simon, do you see this woman? Everybody saw this woman. How could you not see this woman? See, but Jesus saw something that they did not see. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. That's just a customary. That's just like courtesy, common courtesy. But she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, which is just a customary greeting. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head as a show of honor and respect for your guest. But she has performed, uh, poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, here's the point. Don't miss it. I tell you, her sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves Little. In fact, Jesus would turn his attention straight to the woman. Think about this. He just looks right at her. Like, and he says this. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, what does it mean to explain the Father? I think when we ask that question, what is God like, everybody comes with a picture in their mind. What is God like? Is he mean? Is he a Santa Claus? Is he distant? Like, like what is God like? And, and does God like me? On honest days, we don't like us, do we? How could God like us? And it says that Jesus explained the Father of what God is like so that the least likely person, the person who felt so far, the person who, who had nothing to offer, who was the talk of town, experienced the grace, the love, the peace of God. Like, what is God like? I got to tell you, he's not impressed with your degrees. Sorry, we got a lot of people with a lot of great degrees. Simon had a lot of great degrees. He's not impressed with the outward performance of what you're able to put on. Ah, that's nice, but he's not impressed with that. He's not impressed with the lavish banquet that you're able to set before, but he is impressed and he longs and he meets every single person who turns to him in honesty who brings who they are fully and just says, I can't, but I believe you can, so I'm coming to you. You know what God is like? God is like when he looks at the woman that everyone looked away from and says, I see you and you're forgiven. And you look at yourself and go, how could anyone forgive me? And God says, I want to be with you. That is what God is like. Jesus shows us exactly how God responds and whether or not God likes us. See, you never have to question. This is what Christmas is so powerful. You never, ever have to question again what God is like and whether God likes you or not. Christmas unwraps that box. Back to John and his introduction. He says this. Out of his fullness, Jesus' fullness, and this is another really fun Greek word for those who want to do that study, is pleroma. 
We find it in Colossians 1.19-9, talking about the fullness of the deity of Christ. Out of the fullness that Jesus wasn't just a good man, but he was God incarnate, God in flesh. That he was undiminished deity. Out of that fullness that God was in Jesus and is Jesus, we have received, say it with me, grace. Grace. We have received grace in place of grace already given. Grace. Like, what is God like? Like, when the fullness of God shows up, God's, God's like, I, grace. Just the object and focus on you, grace. And here's the reason we wrestle with this. Next line. For the law was given through Moses. And we all have this standard we all have an expectation of, of what we think we should live up to, whether it's God's standard or what. We, we don't even keep our own standard. And so we feel like we somehow have to work our way to God. He says, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace is the unearned, undeserved favor of God. The unearned, undeserved favor of God. And you see it, you see it in Jesus. I love, I love the way the message says this, this. Through this man, we have all received gifts of grace beyond our imagination. And I think for some, we've gone through the Christmas season. And if we're honest... Our relationship or what we're doing when we're answering that question, what is God like and whether he likes me, is we're trying to work our way to God. We're trying to earn his favor. Grace is you can't earn it. It's already been done for it. It's yours. You have been given it. It is a gift and it's unwrapped. And for others, for others, some of us feel like we've worked our way so far away from God that God could never want us or like us. It says, out of his fullness, not your fullness, out of his fullness, grace upon grace. The woman broke free, experienced forgiveness and peace. Have you ever received an unexpected gift? Just kind of out of the blue, something you really needed? And it just, it blew you away? Nobody maybe even knew that you had that need. Uh, we, uh, when we, we've been meeting here at Del Mar High for five and a half years. And from day one, we've said this, that this is more than a place to meet, but a people to love. And we wanted to love this campus the way Jesus has loved us. Like the grace that we received, that's what we wanted to give. And that's always with, without strings attached. So I'm going to love you regardless of your response to us. And so we've done tons of stuff. We've beautified the campus. We've, we, you know, bring coffee and donuts every single Friday for the teachers. We throw a party and cater a meal at the end of every single semester for the teachers. So we do all these things. But, but what I'm so excited about is one of the things that we've started to do, we do this thing called a generous campaign every Christmas season. In fact, we're going to take an offering at the end of this, and it 100% goes to that. But a generous campaign, here's, here's what, the reason we do this. We, we believe that the church should lead the way in unleashing extravagant generosity to a hurting and broken world because we have the most extravagantly generous God. We have been given grace. we got to give grace. We've been given grace. we got to give grace. And so one of the things, part of our generous campaign, is we asked the school, said, 
okay, we know that there's some students here that are in need. Is there any way that we could give them a Christmas they otherwise might not experience? And so the teachers and faculty actually all bring names. And this past Christmas, we were able to give 18 kids a Christmas they otherwise would not have experienced. Now, thousands of dollars went into this from our church. And I got to sit on Wednesday with each of these kids. Now, this is amazing. The principal and myself and one other person from our staff, as these kids come in, I get to hear their story. And man, we live in the Silicon Valley. It's affluent. And yet there's such great heartache and pain and poverty I mean, we have families living in one-room sheds. Last year, we were able to put on lights for a family at Christmas time. They'd gone without electricity for nine months. Got on Christmas Eve, and we paid for the next six months so they would always be able to have lights on. Uh, and, and what was interesting is they later heard is like they were so used to not having lights on, they forgot they could turn the lights on, you know. This year... As I sat and heard story after story, there was one young lady that um, her mom's a drug addict. Her family just left the area, left her here. Um, She's living with friends, a senior, trying to finish her high school. Incredibly bright girl. Has a number of young siblings and knows they won't get anything for Christmas. And so she got nominated by a teacher, and she's like, I don't want anything for myself. I don't, and she said this, I don't deserve anything. But if you wouldn't mind, would you give something for my siblings? I'd like for them to experience Christmas. And so, I mean, our church showed up, hundreds of dollars worth of gift cards and different things and movie tickets and all this stuff so that she could go and buy her siblings, your younger brothers and sisters, a Christmas gift. Now, it took some coaxing because we want to do more than just kind of take care of needs. We want to go, you know, gifts beyond your imagination, grace upon grace. That's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of God we serve. So we're like, okay, what is it that she really wants? And we, we did some research, and the faculty helped us to find out she had some really worn-out, hole-ridden shoes. And what she really wanted were these really slick, cool Nikes. And so somebody bought those Nikes. And so she's got this box in front of her. And she unwraps it, not expecting so grateful. That moment was so pregnant with feelings. And she just broke down and cried. Simple. Us, many of you can go out and buy a brand new pair of shoes. This, this moment, this moment was just unearned favor over the top. That, that is what grace is. And that is what's offered to you at Christmas time. It's that gift unexpected. It's in your great need, in your longing, in your feeling like you don't deserve that Jesus says, I've come, I'm here. And I don't know how you're answering the question, what is God like? But I'm going to show you what God is like so you don't have to question. And I know that you've been wrestling with this. I know that you've been wondering about, does God really like me? And I just got news for you. Yeah. Yes, I do. 
I'm wild about you. I'm crazy about you. I so want to be with you. I'll go oh, to you. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll break down any walls or barriers. I'll even go to the cross because I'm so wild about you. Don't you ever, ever, ever question whether I like you or not. You see, Mary cradled in her arms the explanation of God the Father. Lying in a manger was the gift of grace beyond imagination. And you never have to question where you stand with God. And the prophet Isaiah, as Mika read earlier, said this. For to us, a son is born. To us. A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now notice this, because when you unwrap this gift, all those other boxes that we were talking about, yeah, you won't get a glimpse into them. I wish I could give you a glimpse into that box, but notice this. But when you unwrap this, you unwrap the one who's called Wonderful Counselor. I don't know what's going to happen with your future, but I know the one who knows. I don't know what's going to happen with your career, But wouldn't it be great to have a wonderful counselor who walks with you and guides you and leads you every step of the way? A mighty God in the times of uncertainty. An everlasting father. When relationships are rocky, you have a perfect heavenly father who's for you, who's with you, who you call upon. And a prince of peace. Man, and some of you this morning, you need peace, don't you? You've been trying to get it by control. You've been trying to get it by more. And you need peace. And this morning, I invite you. Whether you've been working your way to God or you feel like you've worked your way so far from God, you come to a perfect heavenly Father who wants to be with you, who invites you in this moment to come and unwrap the gift. But it's a gift, and that's the problem. It's a gift, and it's extended to you today, but you have to receive it. You have to invite Jesus and go, you know what? I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you did reveal what the heavenly Father is like. I believe that you actually like me, and so would you come into my life and make me new? And in that honest cry, honest declaration, you experience brand new life, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. If you're here this morning, you've never stepped into a relationship with God, I invite you, I'm just going to pray, and invite you to start a relationship with him. Get a glimpse of God. And experience what the Bible calls his brand new life. It's life now and forever, life to the full. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that at Christmas we celebrate that we indeed have gotten this incredible gift and glimpse of you. You have explained that you like us and you love us. And if you're here and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you would like today to experience peace and life. Would you just pray after me? Just in the quietness of your heart, Heavenly Father, I desperately need you. I believe 
You sent your son to explain that you love me, that you're for me. Believe that he was fully God, that I might experience full life. And so would you come into my life and make me new? In Jesus' name, amen.